Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary, coming to you on what could be the final day of the 2022-2023 NBA season. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you so much for downloading and listening today. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email the show CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. Coming up on the show today, it is a preview of Game 5 of the NBA Finals between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat, a review of week one from the Canadian Football League. Plus, we got some Blue Jays, some fighting, and some new coaches everywhere. Should be a fun show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. By the way, if you want a little bit more on UFC 289, there isn't a proper post-fight show uh, because your boy couldn't watch the fights. I get into it a little bit more on the show, but um, recorded it yesterday. It actually ends up coming out today, but did a legacy look at Amanda Nunes. So uh, go listen to that one if you're looking for a bit more fight coverage. We will get into a little bit more of it here and then quite a bit more in depth on Friday's Fightin' Friday. So, uh, once again, thank you all so much for downloading and listening today. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! All right, let's begin today with a preview of Game 5 of the NBA Finals. As the Denver Nuggets appear to be well on their way to winning a championship as they host Game 5 tonight against the Miami Heat. And this is feeling more and more inevitable as this series is going along. And you look at what the Nuggets were able to do in Game 4. Um, they come away with a victory, a relatively comfortable one. Uh, I don't think Porter played all that well. Jokic didn't put up uh, amazing Jokic numbers, and they still won. Like, this team is just so deep and so talented that I don't know what the Miami counter is now. Because Denver has countered to what Miami's been able to throw out there, um, but... I don't know what the other move is. Apparently, Tyler Hero might be coming back into the series, so maybe that's it, just a, a bit more of a spark on offense. But I think defensively, the Nuggets are going to hunt that poor boy down as much as they possibly can. Um, whoever he is guarding is going to be thrown into pick and rolls all night. I just don't think the Miami Heat have it to keep up with the Denver Nuggets. And that is not a slight against the Miami Heat. This has been an incredible run from being down in the second play-in to being three wins away from an NBA championship is pretty remarkable and pretty, it's just, it's incredible. Like you run out of ways to describe it, um, how good the Miami Heat have been. It is putting Jimmy Butler in another stratosphere. It is probably making a whole bunch of money for some of their younger players. It is validating contracts to, to guys like Duncan Robinson. That might be a bit of a stretch, but you know what I mean? Um, this has been an incredible run, but they just feel like they have run out of gas. And it just feels like the Denver Nuggets are clearly the best team in the NBA and deserve the accolades that they are about to get. Like, they they are a team befitting of a championship. Um, we can get into some of the, the stuff afterward, um, but I, I do want to address, like, because it's, it's already coming up, and I, part of it is people are already getting defensive, so it's like, you know what I bet the talking heads are going to say? They're going to say they didn't beat it. And sometimes we can get a little, like, pre-defensive when we don't have to, but just to, 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 to stop it. Um, people are, there are people who are worried that people are going to suggest that the Denver Nuggets didn't beat anybody. So, let's run through it again. 
the first round, the Denver Nuggets beat the Minnesota Timberwolves. You have every right to say that the Denver Nuggets didn't beat anybody. That team was having a fist fight on the bench three games before that series started. But you know how you get to do that? You be the goddamn one seed and you get to beat a team that is in a bit of turmoil. The, the Miami Heat being the, this wonder eight seed, kind of the anomaly. There's a reason why it's so fucking special what the Miami Heat are doing. The Denver Nuggets didn't beat anyone in the first round because you're not supposed to. Go back on any of those Bulls. Who did the Bulls beat in the first round? Yeah, nobody because you're not supposed to. You, one of the great things about being the one seed is, in theory, looking at you, dastardly side eye to the Milwaukee Bucks. One of the rewards of being the one seed is you get to kick the shit out of someone in round one. That's that's how this is supposed to work. Your reward for going through 82 games and being second best to nobody is you get to play a team that just barely made it into the playoffs, and now you get to beat it or get to play a team that had to go through uh, two play-in games to to get there, and you get to fuck them up. That's just, that's life. You go into the second round where the Denver Nuggets beat the Phoenix Suns. Anyone saying that that was nobody is out of their ever-loving minds. People were picking Phoenix to win that series. Oh, it was, it's, it's KD, it's Booker, um, Chris Paul. Like, how can you, how can this team be stopped? This is a super team. Well, they weren't. And Denver went in and beat them up in six. And then the Lakers, a team that not two months ago, people were saying, you know what? I think the Lakers could be a real title contender. That This could be a legitimate championship team. They've made this trade. They, they've built the perfect team around LeBron, LeBron James right now. And it was a competitive four-game series, but it was still a four-game series. Do not let Denver win series four games to nothing fool you. That is a talented LA Lakers team that this Denver Nuggets group just whooped on. And now they're playing Miami. Yes, an eight seed, but a team that clearly proved that their talents far surpass what they did in the regular season. This is a Miami Heat that is, uh, again, deserving of this spot of being in the Eastern Conference Final that went through Milwaukee, they went through Boston, they went through the Knicks, and now they're running into Denver. The Nuggets are making these teams look like they're nothing, but that's not because these teams are nothing. It's because Denver is that special. If you want to look at it a different way, instead of, oh, they only beat a Phoenix Suns team that didn't really know what they were doing, an aging LeBron James and the Minnesota Timberwolves, you can look at it as, yeah, they beat the Timberwolves. Uh, they also beat Kevin Durant and LeBron James in back-to-back -back series before taking on the wild playoff phenomenon that is Jimmy Butler. So let's not not give the Denver Nuggets their flowers because they deserve every bit of adulation that is thrown upon them um, over the, the, the coming days, weeks, months, years ahead. This is a phenomenal basketball team that it really feels like is just getting started. You look at the West right now, the Lakers um, are going to have trouble keeping Reeves around and kind of building around that. Golden State is going to be in a tax bracket that is going to be detrimental to building a, a basketball team. Um... Like, the, the, the Phoenix Suns are going through a, a rather large bit of upheaval right now, and the Nuggets are just going to be there, hanging out, being better than everybody. This really could be the start of something special with the Denver Nuggets. Now, we kind of thought that might have been the case with Milwaukee as well, uh, and look how that ended. But for, for, for Denver, this feels like the start rather than the culmination of things for the, the Denver Nuggets. On the Miami side, like, this is an incredible run, and I, I think a couple of things have come out of this run, and we can get into a, a few more post-mortem-y type things after, but it's great that we are realizing that Eric Spolstra is the best coach in the league, and it's great that we are, we are realizing, sorry, that uh, Jimmy Butler is just 
to, to steal a kid's phrase, built different. Um, that, that's that been great to see. And it's been a great spotlight for some of these other younger players as well. But it, it does feel like the, uh, the Denver Nuggets put a wrap on this one tonight. Moving into the Canadian Football League, week one of the CFL is now behind us. Um doing some stuff with Three Down Nation again this season. And part of that is uh, predictions. Part of that is power rankings, which I'm going to be able to, to, to kind of talk about um, on here. But looking at looking at the, this week in the CFL, your boy went 4-0. The only one to go 4-0 against the spread and just straight up on uh, a Three Down Nation this week. So very happy about that one. Um Looking at this week in the, the Canadian Football League, let, let's start at the beginning. The BC Lions beat the Calgary Stampeders 25-15. I have been saying for a little bit, I don't think Mayor is it. And this week, this week was really bad for me for confirmation bias because I got, I got confirmation bias out the wazoo on a bunch of these things. I don't think Meyer is it, and in week one, he didn't look like he was it. I think the BC Lions are a very good football team, and in week one, they looked like a pretty good football team to me. Um... I have great concerns about Calgary and like not great. They're not going to fold the franchise or anything like that. But I, I do not believe for a second that this uh, Stampeders team is quote unquote for real. Um, I, I think them losing to the BC Lions is kind of an appropriate spot. Like I think the West right now is Winnipeg, BC, and then everyone else. And I think quite frankly, Calgary is much closer to the Saskatchewan Edmonton portion of the West than they are to the BC Winnipeg portion. Like this, the, the quarterback isn't it. And uh, now, l- watching this week in the CFL, you could say that about most teams, quite frankly. Quarterback play is a little bit down at the current moment in the Canadian Football League. It doesn't help that one of the best in the league just left um, in Nathan Rorick. But for the Sam Peters, they, they do not have the quarterback position really figured out. And it, it really, I think, kind of hindered them in week one, but BC looks uh, as good as advertised. Week one, um, Hamilton taking on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, At the end of this, you end with uh, Bo Levi Mitchell going 17 for 33 for 197 yards, uh, touchdown and two interceptions. Winnipeg, um, like Hamilton makes a game of it late, but it was 29 to four at halftime. That's more what this game was than anything that that Hamilton did in a, a miraculous fourth quarter comeback. The Bombers look every bit like the best team in the league. Caleros, 354 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Brady Oliveira goes over the 100-yard the mark for the game, and it's Nick Dembski stealing the show in the receiving group. Like, this is still just a stupid good football team. But one of the things I was saying to anyone who would listen last year, any microphone that would have me talk into it, Bo Levi Mitchell looking good in one half of one playoff game does not erase the fact that he did not look like a good CFL quarterback last season. He is a big name and that is a big move for the Hamilton Tiger Cats that I think saying they're going to regret it feels a little bit too harsh. I don't think it's going to get them where they want it to. Again, look at the division they're in, however. Is Hamilton better than Montreal right now? Yeah, they are. Are they better than Ottawa right now? Yeah, they are. Are they better than Toronto? Probably not. But being better than two of the four means you get to host a playoff game. So, like, is Hamilton good enough to have a home playoff date? Yeah. Which is more of a statement on the division they play in than the team that they are. I I don't think Bo Levi Mitchell has it anymore, and Week 1 did nothing to prove me wrong. Um, Ottawa and Montreal are two bad football teams who played a bad football game. Uh, There isn't a whole lot to say. Uh, I think we're going to learn 
more about them. Well, I guess Ottawa uh, this week uh, as they take on Calgary. That's a really interesting matchup, actually, uh, but which we'll get into later on in the week. Um, Montreal has has their bye. They go into it on a winning note. Cody Fajardo gets the, to start his career with a victory, but I... I don't think Montreal was really threatening a whole lot of teams. I think they're going to be looking at the number four spot in the West all season long um, as they try to hold off a team for the crossover. And then Saskatchewan with a 17-13 win over Edmonton. Trevor Harris wasn't all that great. The the strong point for Saskatchewan in this game was the defense, uh, especially in the second half. Like, they gave Cornelius no time. They gave that running game no time. And you had a couple of smart plays in the secondary that were able to, to kind of bait Cornelius into a couple of bad throws. So defensively, I think the Saskatchewan team is actually going to give some teams some problems. Uh, the run game finally got going late in the fourth quarter when they were able to kind of ice this game away. But there really doesn't look like that super dynamic running back in the backfield. Morrow's fine. Um, but it, it feels like he's more really good number two than really good number one. And like there are weapons for Saskatchewan to get the ball to. Uh, just Trevor Harris had a couple of little um, in this game. So I, I, I wonder how he's going to feel after he kind of gets knocked out of the game very late when they tried to, to run the clock out. Um, but for Saskatchewan here, it, it's a win. It would be a much bigger deal if they would have lost this game than if they would have won it. Because if they would have lost, then it's panic already in Regina. But for now, they, they get a victory, a desperately needed victory, and they're able to just go into to next week. But there, there was nothing about this game that makes me think, oh yeah, they'll be great in their home opener against Winnipeg on Friday night in Regina. On the Edmonton side, I like a lot of the pieces they have. Like, I, I like Eugene Lewis with that um, jump ball. I love that quote, too. To me, there's no 50-50 balls. It's 90-10 when you're throwing to me. Oh, my God. Oh, we should all be so confident. I'm not, like, that probably sounded more sarcastic than, it want, than I wanted it to. That was A+. plus. Loved every second of that. Um, and it was against my team. Manny Arsenault is turning himself, like, into a really good security blanket. Like, you need a first down on second and four. Manny Arsenault is a very good guy to, to be throwing the ball to. But holy crap, Cornelius does not look like the dude uh, in Edmonton right now. Like, that that was that was a struggle bus. He was missing open receivers. He was making very bad throws. He was making a lot of poor decisions. Uh, they were saying on the broadcast, like, this is year three. This is when you kind of know if he's figured it out or not. I It's only week one. Maybe there is is more to come, but I feel fairly comfortable in planting my flag on he doesn't have it island than on Taylor Cornelius is going to figure it out. So th those are just a, a few week one uh, musings. We are going to do CFL power rankings later this week and a preview of the week ahead. Moving to the Blue Jays, uh, and the frustration continues around Canada's baseball team as the Blue Jays coming off of a series win over the Houston Astros, where they take three of four. They play the Minnesota Twins, who are below 500, and they lose two out of three, and were a Kevin Biggio home run away from being swept by the Twins. And the frustration and the inconsistency around this team continues. Uh, Gosman had a bit of a rough day, but for him to be able to battle back and battle through that was really good. And I think the Blue Jays winning that game on that note... Um, down 6-1, to one, they battle back, Chapman comes up with a big hit, then Kevin Biggio has the big hit of the ballgame, and the Blue Jays are able to, to build their way through that, is quite the positive thing to take, I think, for Toronto. And maybe they can build off of this. It's a huge series coming up against the Baltimore Orioles. Like, if Toronto, excuse me, wants any hope of getting through this, um, and, like, it, it feels like the division is over. Like, it, it feels like that there are hopes 
of winning a, a division crown are uh, slim to none, and slim is kind of leaving the building. Like they're they're ten and five, or they're ten and a half games back. They're seven and three in their last ten, and they've lost a game on the Rays. Like Tampa Bay just is not slowing down from that pace. Thirty-seven and thirty is a great record. It is good enough to be just on the outside looking in on the, the playoff picture. This is, I think, a monster series, as big as you can have in June for the, the Blue Jays to to right this ship again. Three games against Baltimore, three massive games at Camden Yards. This is where I think Toronto needs to really establish, like, look, we are that team that people thought we were going into this season. Uh, Bassett getting the start, and then it's TBD after that. Um, so we'll we'll see how the, the Jays go. But I think Bassett getting the, the team off to a, a strong start is going to be key. And we'll, we'll see that from there. But the, the Blue Jays, I think, need this series to to once again be like, hey, look, we are this bad. Like, yeah, we've we've been swept by some good teams, but we've beat some good teams as well. It's wildly inconsistent, but I think the Blue Jays are going to be able to, to get this one on track. And then a real interesting series coming up here against Texas. Like, the Jays have quite the road trip ahead. Baltimore, Texas, and Miami. All three, for various different reasons, um, interesting I guess, measuring stick games for Toronto. UFC 289 in the books as Amanda Nunes is still the bantamweight queen as she picks up a dominant victory over Irene Aldana in the main event. Um, not going to go too in depth on some of these things, but just storylines coming out of this one. Nunes... It was never in question, but uh, she retires after this fight. If you want to look at her legacy, did the podcast, it's available now. She has beat everyone. There is nothing left for her to do. You could maybe say a Valentina Shevchenko fight should be in the cards for her going forward. Um, if she were to, to continue her fighting career, a third one after how indecisive the second one would be does make a bit of sense, but... It's tough to say, like, oh man, this is a huge hole on the resume. Someone who she beat twice, she isn't going to face a third time? How dare you? Um, you just, it doesn't work that way, right? But for Nunez, the legacy is going to be, I, I don't know what it is going to be five, ten years from now. We've seen this sport is evolving very quickly, especially on the women's side. But she retires as the greatest female mixed martial artist of all time, and has a very convincing claim of being the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. A title that I personally think belongs to George St. Pierre. Uh, John Jones and Anderson Silva testing positive for various different things kind of eliminate them from this discussion. Two phenomenal careers, but yes, you, you can make assumptions about anyone taking anything at any time. Those guys were dumb enough to get caught. So, de-cute for me. Um... The, the similarities between Amanda Nunes and George St. Pierre are actually quite intriguing. Um, it took some fans a bit to, to warm up to George. Actually, it's kind of the opposite. Like, it took fans a while to warm up to Amanda Nunes, and then she was just better than everyone. It's like, well, she's not going anywhere. We may as well just enjoy it. Um, with George St. Pierre, people loved him right away. George rushed St. Pierre with the way he would rush people and the, the way um, he mixed all the styles of mixed martial arts together so well. And then it kind of, like, fan support wavered a little bit toward the end when the fights got a little bit boring and predictable. It was kind of just 25 minutes of power double, power double, power double, and GSP walks away with a 50-45 and barely a mark on his face that marks very easily. So it's interesting kind of the 
the yin and the yang, where it took Nunez a long time for the fans to warm up to her. And GSP, it took fans a long time to kind of be like, eh, this maybe isn't as fun as I, I would like it to be. But he has such an out there personality that and a charisma to him that you just, you can't help but fall in love with him. But the big thing that I think compares the two of them is they beat everyone in their time, right? Like you, you cannot go through welterweight while George St. Pierre has was fighting and say, ah, he didn't, if, if only he would have fought that guy. No, he fought everyone. You can make an argument he lost to Johnny Hendricks. Probably make a really compelling argument he lost to Johnny Hendricks. But the scoreboard says it's a win. Um, but aside from that, like he, he went through and beat everybody. Someone beat him, went back and beat that person. Like th there is not one stone unturned. And then he goes up and wins at middleweight. Um, so just like firmly cementing that goat legacy for Amanda Nunes. It's the same thing. You cannot go through this era at 135 and 145 pounds of women's mixed martial arts and see, ah, well, she didn't really quite beat that one. Regardless of what Juliana Pena says, if that isn't the worst bit of trash talking ever, like, oh, I, I guess you're retiring to run away from, to run away from me. Juliana incredibly talented fighter could whoop my ass no questions about it um if it wasn't so insulting some of those scorecards would have been like 10 for a 10 8 round would have been like a 10-2 round amanda nunez beat the bricks off of juliana pena and if she wants to try to do what everyone else is doing and try the trash talk stuff then fine just be good at it it was insulting how bad she was just an awful bit of trash talk from juliana pena but there is, like I said, not one stone unturned on the resume of Amanda Nunes. She has fought every big fighter of her generation, and she has beat them. Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, Cyborg Santos, um, or Justino, as did later on in her career. Chris Cyborg. Um, yeah, Shevchenko twice, Megan Anderson, uh, Jermaine Durandamy, Raquel Pennington. Like, there is not one stone unturned on this resume for Amanda Nunes. She is so clearly the GOAT of women's MMA and I think deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore for mixed martial arts in general. So, that is that. In the co-main event, Charles Oliveira um, was losing until he wasn't, and then he beats Benil Dariush. This probably kills any hopes of Benil Dariush getting a title shot. The UFC seemed very not interested in playing that game with Benil Dariush, um, so out he goes. But Charles Oliveira earns his way back into a title shot. I don't know if there was enough there. I'm going to have to go back and watch the fight. Um, I don't know if there's enough there to make you think that he could beat Islam Makashev a second time, but there is certainly enough there to give him an opportunity to try. And as we said before, with Aldana getting this fight against Amanda Nunes, just because we don't think that the, the challenger can beat the champion doesn't mean the challenger hasn't earned the right to try. And I think Charles Oliveira certainly has. And we want to talk about stones unturned at lightweight. That is an interesting discussion as to who is the, the lightweight GOAT. Off the top of my head, probably BJ Penn. Um, but even at this point, like I, I was about to say, BJ Penn's certainly the most talented. Is he? Because Charles Oliveira can do it all, man. Um, it's a remarkable career. And you look at like the the goats uh, or the the goats, that's the greatest of all times. Um, but you look at the top fighters of this era at 155 pounds. And again, Oliveira's beaten them all. So th that is an interesting, interesting legacy to go back and look at. But he certainly has earned another shot at the UFC's 155 pound title. And the last um, kind of main storyline coming out of this one is just... Canadian MMA show up, man. I love that. And I, Dana White said after that, Canada is on the radar. 
Canada and Mexico should be on the radar. Like, all these lame-ass um, fight night cards that they're having at the UFC Apex, move them to Canada and Mexico, man. Like, Mexico is really on the come-up this year. Canada... Uh, it, this feels like the, the start of a real promising rebuild for Canadian MMA. We've had a bit of a lull. We thought Rory was going to take that mantle from um, from GSP. That that didn't necessarily happen in the way a lot of people would have expected it to. But now you have a, a young crop of Canadian fighters who got into the sport based off of what George St. Pierre did and I think are now going to, to really lead a renaissance for Canadian MMA. So I'm hoping we get more, even if they're just random ass fight cards in Regina, man, I, I hope we get a lot more of that. Mexico is certainly coming to play on a, a bigger stage this year with a couple of championship wins and you get to see two of their champions in the next UFC card, which should be in Mexico, but it's not because this company sucks at that kind of stuff. But now when the, the UFC comes to Canada and they load it up with Canadian fighters, you're going to have legitimate talents on there and not just random Canadians just because they happen to be fighting in Canada, right? So uh, a big weekend for Canadian MMA. Uh, just a couple quick notes here at the end. The Calgary Flames on this day have announced the hiring of Ryan Huska as their new bench boss. He, a surprising choice to me, but... It shouldn't have been. Like, I, I was big Mitch Love the whole way. Like, I, I think that he really meshes with everything that the, the young players for the, the Calgary Flames are going to want. And I think he would be a, a good voice to kind of lead those guys into there. Ryan Huska had the job before him, though. And I, I don't know how much overlap there was, but it does feel like Huska is going to be a very good voice to kind of bridge that gap between the, the, the young group and kind of the veterans, because he's been around for both of them. Personally, I've had the chance to talk to him a couple of times. Seems like a wonderful human being, which... It seems like he'll be able to get along easier with some of the other players on the Flames compared to the last guy who was in there. He has the breath of fresh air I think this Flames team needs. I don't know if this is a home run coaching hire, but it's kind of like one of those slow pitch doubles that you could see could be stretched into a home run if uh, uh, the right things happen. So I think this is a great hire for the, the Flames. And I think it, once again, we've talked about it before. If this team is going in a win-now direction, if they're going in a rebuild direction, I think Ryan Huska can work with both. And I, I think that he is going to be someone who, yeah, just bridging that gap between the guys who are already in that lineup and the young players who are coming up. And this is why, this is one of the, the great things that I think Brad Treleving, along with Craig Conroy um, and Pascal and everyone else in the Flames organization on, um, one of the great things I think they have done is there was a organizational unity there. Like, what... Until Daryl Sutter came, quite frankly. But what the NHL club was expecting was what the American Hockey League club was doing. And so not only did that make it easier for some of the younger players to transition in again before Daryl, um, it also made it easier for the coaches to kind of transition in. So it's I think it's going to get things back on track for Calgary in a way that I don't know if a lot of people are going to anticipate. Like, I, I think this is a really, really good hire for the Flames. On the Raptor side, they hire a new coach as well. And quite frankly, I am not as familiar with, with this fellow. And to say that you can tell what... Um, an assistant coach is doing in the NBA would be maybe a, a bit of a overstatement, uh, but it's Darko Ryakovich coming in to, to be the coach for the Raptors. It's not a retread, so that's interesting. Um, I don't think it really tilt, uh, tips their hand into what direction they are going, but I... Sure, like I... 
I, I wrote down like, yeah, to Raptors coach talk. I don't have a, a real like, oh, well, now the team, like this is a home run or, oh my God, this is terrible. It's like, I, to be perfectly frank, hadn't heard of the dude before a week ago. So I, I don't know what he is going to offer a Toronto Raptors franchise that is in flux right now. Fred Van Vliet has declined his player option. He is a free agent. I would imagine he has played his last game as a Toronto Raptor. Uh, we'll see what Toronto can get in any kind of sign and trade, but I think he is going to be uh, a valuable piece now. Um, I, I think he is like a, a really good third piece to a championship team, and we can get more into where Fred Van Vliet fits going forward. But th this is, it's a, a time in flux for the Raptors. And... <laughs> I don't know where they're going. I don't know who this dude is, but I trust Masai Ujiri and the direction of the Raptors franchise. I will say, though, if this one ends up being a dud, then you're starting to get to the point where some of the goodwill from 2019 and leading up to 2019 starts to, to maybe get chiseled away at just a little bit. Um, all right, let's quickly do a today's ticket here. By the way, if there is a championship handed out tonight, tomorrow we are going to do a uh, reaction if Denver wins. If they don't, you don't need to hear me talk about, ooh, game six coming up. We'll have that uh, and plenty of time for that coming up on Wednesday's show. Uh, in the NBA, it is the Denver Nuggets taking on the Miami Heat. The Denver Nuggets are eight and a half point favorites. We are getting them at that number at Cool Bet. We are absolutely going to take that number, uh, eight and a half. I, I think that this one ends up being a bit of a victory lap here for uh, for Denver. So I, I like Denver there, minus eight and a half. For Miami, the total is at uh, 100 and a half. I will take the under on that as well at minus 114. Uh, moving into the world of Major League Baseball as we get ready for tonight. A few interesting series out there. Seattle against Miami is a really fun series. Um, ah, there isn't really much, though, on the, the baseball card I want to, to go over. You know what? Actually, what we are going to do, we're going to go Arizona. They're playing some really good baseball right now. They are minus 104 against the Philadelphia Phillies. We're going to take Arizona in that spot at minus 104 just to win straight up against the Phillies. Um, I, I like that number there quite a bit. Yankees taking on the Mets. What an interesting series that's going to be. I don't have faith in either of these teams right now. The Mets are closer to, to full strength, but I'm going to go Yankees plus 120. Um, like I said, neither team is looking all that great right now. So to get plus odds going against the Mets feels pretty good. Also, just a quick aside, if any other team was kind of scuffling along in the way the Yankees were, would we not be talking rebuild? Would we not be kind of venturing into to that conversation? Just a just a thought, you know. Uh, looking at the CFL card, oh, Winnipeg minus five against Saskatchewan. I get it, it's in Saskatchewan, but come on. Um, yeah, well, we'll jump on that number right away. Winnipeg minus five there against the, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Ah, that BC number. I don't think it's going to come down from six and a half, uh, but we're, we're not going to, to play that one. Toronto at home against Hamilton at minus two. We'll take that one as well. So it's a big ticket, actually, here on today's ticket. Uh, also, we have a game coming up in the NHL as the Stanley Cup final reaches a, a fifth game. I'll go Vegas minus a goal and a half. I like that as well. So we got a huge ticket on today's ticket today. Uh, it is 
Denver, minus eight and a half to win an NBA championship this evening. They will hold the Heat to under 100, and, uh, 100 points. Uh, in baseball, it is Arizona with a win over the Phillies. Tomorrow in baseball, it'll be the Yankees with a win over the Mets. Also tomorrow in the world of the NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights to win by a goal and a half against the Florida Panthers at plus 155. Uh, and then in the CFL, Winnipeg minus five against Saskatchewan and Toronto minus two against Hamilton. That We will hit track and that is today's ticket. And that is today's show. Thank you all so much for uh, downloading and for listening. If you want more from me, Okotoks Dogs coming up on Wednesday. Uh, going to be back in the booth Wednesday and Sunday this week. General History Podcast. We had no idea. New episode out now all about serial killers. So if you're a crime fan or you know someone who's a crime fan, uh, download We Had No Idea wherever you got this podcast. We're also doing some Pride Month stuff. So tune in to that show there. Uh, and then as for this one, like I said, if there is a Nuggets win, we'll be doing a NBA Finals reaction on Tuesday. Um, on Wednesday, we will be getting into some Stanley cup stuff and some more cfl talk and then there'll be a fight in football friday uh with some ufc some boxing and a whole lot to discuss uh hoping to have another legacy look coming up on saturday as well so uh until then thank you all so much for downloading and for listening you can find me on social media twitter and instagram i'm at primetime klein twitch.tv slash primetime pk and you can email the show couch potato diary at yahoo.com thank you all so much and i will talk to you all later